Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. I probably won't ever forget just like those five hours. I got the phone call and my dad, you know, told me like, hey, the museum called and um, the wedding's going to be postponed. And I thought he was like joking. You know, I think what kind of put everything then in perspective was that night, the ESPN game was on the TV. And then all of a sudden, all of our phones blow up and we find out the NBA season's being postponed. From the Fox 6 studios, this is definitely Milwaukee. Conversations with the movers and shakers that put our slice of Wisconsin on the map in the worlds of entertainment, business, sports, and more. I'm Carl Deffenbaugh. In a matter of hours back in March, Alex Lazary found out his wedding was canceled and his team's pursuit of a championship was on hold. Quite the double whammy, and it was all due to COVID-19. Months later now, as we continue to recover from the pandemic, the Bucks' senior VP checks in with what it will take to resume the NBA season and how, even if the DNC is a virtual convention, it can still turn Milwaukee into a major player on the national and global stage. Plus, comparing Giannis to Jordan and Kobe, his memories from working in the Obama White House, and the best takeout he's gotten during quarantine. Let's tip things off with Alex Lazary. Great to be joined by Alex Lazary here as we all adjust to quarantine life and hopefully coming out of it. Uh, we'll check in with you first, Alex. How are you holding up? I feel like we have to ask everyone that, right? Uh, holding up all right. You know, I mean, it's... Uh... Other than I think like the last few days, being able to get some like nice weather sprinkled in, um, you know, so it allows me and my fiance to go on some walks. You know, it's it's been tough, um, you know, just being holed up uh, for so much um, for so long. But look, I think generally um, we're lucky we're able to, you know, been able to kind of, you know, get through this uh, with an with an NBA season and a wedding being postponed. But uh, other than that, uh, we're all we're all healthy. Our families are healthy. So um, you know, we don't have, we can't have too much to complain about. That's kind of where we're at too. We're like, we're bored, but we're healthy. So can't <laughs> complain. Right? What's uh, I'll, I'll ask you this. Cause I was kind of checking out different things yesterday in, in preparation for this. Saw you rocking out to some Broadway show tunes on the Instagram live uh, story there. Yeah. It's, uh, out of the blue that's helped you get through this or that you kind of turned to. I mean, I, so like, I, I don't, I'm not generally like a huge music listener. Um, you know, my, my favorite music would probably be like, you know, 90s, early 2000s hip hop, R&B, country music or, or show tunes. And I was, you know, just putting on some, I was like doing some chores around the house and had like my Broadway list on. And then I was just sitting down and I was like, ah, oh, these songs are great. Um, <laughs> or I happened to be out of the house um, running some errands. Uh, and I was just pouring rain outside and wanted to see if uh, there were other people who were as interested in uh, in some of the Broadway hits as I was. And uh, turned out that actually there were, there were a lot of people who were also listening to Broadway hits at the time. Um, turns out Hamilton's rather popular. Yeah, it turns out people really like <laughs> Hamilton yeah. and The Greatest Showman. Yes. I was surprised by everyone loved The Greatest Showman, um, which I really liked uh, as well. But yeah, you know, just trying to, I think, diff, uh, 
differentiate and offer up some different content than uh, than the, the I miss basketball. Right. <laughs> and uh, you know, here's a picture of me at home again. Take. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm assuming that you're you're in moderate touch at least with with some of the teams, some of the players, perhaps whether it's trading a text or trading a, a DM. Who's someone that's kind of stuck out as as maybe not thriving during this, but really adjusting well, really ha- making the most of uh, this time that we're all been dealt. You know, I think everyone's actually doing a pretty good job. I mean, I, I love watching George's social media just because uh, he's out on his ranch. Um, and so he's got a lot of room to be able to kind of roam and frolic. And you know, he's always got interesting content and, uh, and his kids are adorable. Um, you know, Giannis, I, I love it. I love what he's been able, you know, what he's doing, you know, he's got a newborn at home. Um, so I think, you know, for him, uh, being able to spend some time with, uh, you know, with his kid and his family as, you know, they're trying to begin raising a child, you know, I don't know if anyone would say you're thriving, uh, at that point, um, with a one or two month old, but, um, you know, I think he's doing well and, you know, Pat, uh, Ursan, seems like all the guys are doing well. Um, and I think that's great. Uh, I think they're all itching to, you know, get back out on the court and try to finish what we started. But, um, it, you know, from from being able to talk to some of the guys and uh, just seeing what everyone's up to, uh, it seems like all the guys are, are holding up pretty well and um, still seem to be uh, sane, which is good. I had to chuckle at the newborn comment because I have my monitor here watching our toddler. Thankfully, <laughs> he's quiet and down for a nap as I'm trying to conduct this interview here with you. Uh, exactly. Let's take it back. You get it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thankfully, she's a little bit beyond the uh, the early days at this point. But let's take you back to to March 11th. You said a, a pretty big day in your life because not only does the NBA make the decision to suspend the season, but I believe you've said it was about four hours earlier you found out your wedding, which is supposed to be end of March, gets canceled as well. So. What is a story or a moment from that day, that night that you will never forget as I'm sure you're trying to juggle and, and make make what you can out of all of these things happening at once? You know, I probably won't ever forget just like that, those five hours. Yeah. Um, you know, I was on my way to uh, lunch and right as I sat down, I got a phone call from my dad. And so I was like, oh, I'm so sorry. Excuse me. Like, you know, I just, I need to grab this, uh, you know, wedding stuff. And because, you know, my wedding was two weeks later. Um, I was like, so I think it's like some wedding thing and maybe NBA season. So I was like, just give me a quick second. Um, so I just like walk outside. I got a phone call. My dad, you know, told me like, hey, the museum called and um, the wedding's going to be postponed. And I thought he was like joking. And I was like, Hi, right, like I'm at a lunch. Like, this isn't funny. Like, is there something you really need? And he was like, no, I'm serious. So I walked over uh, to the person who was having lunch. And I was like, I am really sorry, but my wedding just got canceled. Um, I need to figure this out. Like we, <laughs> can we reschedule lunch? Um, and luckily the person <laughs> totally understood. and uh, was like, no problem. I'm sure that was the first time uh, that had happened like in person at a lunch, um, having that as the excuse. Uh, so then just trying to deal with it the rest of the day. Um, and then, um, you know, Lauren was great about it. Um, and you know, I think, you know, we kind of like, we're feeling like really crappy about the whole situation. Um, you know, we were two weeks away. Um, everything was starting to get planned, like, you know, figured out we were like packing and figuring everything out. Um, and then, uh, you know, I think what kind of put everything then in perspective was that night, um, we went to dinner with a couple friends, just like take our minds off things and have a few drinks. Uh, and we're sitting there and, you know, the 
the NB, the ESPN game was on the TV. And then all of a sudden all of our phones blow up and we find out the NBA season is being postponed. Uh, and I think that kind of put everything into perspective for us a little bit <clears throat> that said, <clears throat> okay, like this is, and I think again, for the whole country, I think it was then like, Oh, this is much different than I think everyone was expecting and, um, and seeing. And so I think for us, it kind of took a little bit of the edge off of like, Oh no, it's just our wedding and kind of really put, I think everything into perspective uh, on what actually was going on uh, around the country. So it was a, it was a crazy day um, and one I'll never forget, but um, you know, maybe also uh, a blessing in disguise and that if we had had our wedding two weeks earlier uh, could have been a, a place where maybe we were spreading the disease or something like that. So, um, you know, everything happens for a reason and uh, you know, we'll now hopefully we'll be able to reschedule it. And that's the other thing, like at the end of the day, you know, NBA season being postponed, wedding postponed, those are things that all can be rescheduled. Yeah. Uh, there are bigger things that are going on and bigger issues that other people are having that, uh, you know, I think obviously take precedent and um, are where we need to be focusing our energy. Well, the folks here in Milwaukee and certainly around the NBA are interested in the rescheduling aspect of, uh, of the season. <laughs> I know you've said that earlier in the quarantine, number one thing people could do would be stay at home, right? Try to flatten the curve, and then we can hopefully get back to a sense of normal. Now that we're further into this, now that here in Wisconsin, some things are opening back up again, what's the message to fans, and what do you see as maybe the most likely outcome for the NBA at this point? I know there's a lot of things up in the air with players starting to get back to facilities in, in very limited roles. Yeah, I mean, look, I still think the best thing we can do is continue to flatten the curve, um, continue to, um, so, you know, socially distance and, you know, wear masks when we're outside and take all the health precautions. Um, you know, I think, you know, staying at home, uh, you know, I know before the Supreme Court uh, moved the or uh, rescinded the governor's order, you know, it was it was just going to go another 10 days, um, you know, hoping that we then hit all the benchmarks. And I think according to all health experts, you know, the best things we can do is continue to socially distance, you know, wear masks when you go outside and, and taking all those precautions. Um, I don't think, you know, that means like, you know, don't go on a walk uh, or, you know, if you, you know, want to go to the park for a little bit, you know, I, those aren't, I think what we're talking about, but those are, I still think, the best things we can do. Um, and the you know, more we're able to do that around the country, uh, I think the, the quicker this will all end. Um, you know, for a season, where do I think we are? Look, I think you know, all the reports have seen have shown that there's optimism around this potential to get the, the season up and running again. But it all comes down to testing. Um, I think that's the biggest thing right now. And you know, if we are able to uh, get nationwide testing to a point where – the NBA doesn't feel like they're taking tests away from first responders or people who really need it. You're going to look at the ability to um, be able to have the season again, because I think testing is the most important thing in being able to get the season up and running again. I know in the meantime, you guys as, as the team have done so much, whether it's the players initially pledging money towards the arena workers and staff or in the mask up Milwaukee has been incredible to see kind of the numbers that you guys have been able to help facilitate and coordinate out of Fiserv Forum there. What have you been most proud of kind of in the way that the team has kind of rallied around this Milwaukee community during this? You know, look, I mean, I, I think all the stuff that we're doing, it's, it's great and we're proud of all the work, but it's, for us, it's, it's, it's all about how can we assist all the people who are on the front lines. 
um, you know, our, our partners at the Medical College of Wisconsin or at any other hospital, um, you know, first responders who are, who are really, I think, taking the brunt of this. Um, and then even our employees who, through no fault of their own, um, can't come, you know, can't work events. Um, and I think those are all the things where we're trying to just do what we can uh, to help those who are most in need right now. And so, you know, for Mask Up MKE, you know, being able to have assembled and helped distribute, you know, 1.5 million masks uh, around the city, uh, it's a big accomplishment. And hopefully it's going to, and it should, uh, provide some help um, as we, again, try to, you know, eradicate this disease and flatten the curve. But I think for us, you know, like, it, I'm very proud of all the work we're doing. I think everything the Bucks, you know, try to do is, you know, the community gives the Bucks so much, um, you know, whether it's how hard they cheer for the team, um, how much they love the team, uh, and just being so supportive of, of, of Bucks basketball and, you know, kind of everything that's going on. You know, we also want to make sure that we're just as big of a community partner and a corporate citizen. And I think, you know, that's where, you know, we're trying to take cues from city government, county government, uh, state government, and, uh, and the medical experts on what can we do to help. And, you know, Ask Up MKE was a, was a great thing. And, you know, us being able to, you know, come up with that emergency relief fund for our employees, uh, also something that I think I'm really proud of just because, Again, it's it's just trying to take care of our family, um, and those are people who work at Pfizer Forum and the entire city of Milwaukee. Yeah. This is next question isn't meant to be kind of a doom and gloom thing, but it's something <laughs> I've been kind of wrestling with during this time, which is for basically a year or more now. Every time we did an interview like this, every time we had something on the newscast, it was all pushing towards this summer 2020 being this incredible moment, this incredible period of time for the city of Milwaukee. And as someone who's not a native here, I moved here about four years ago for a job, but I love bragging to my friends around the country about just what an amazing place this is. And between a fingers crossed finals appearance or championship and then the DNC, this was going to be that, that summer to kind of put Milwaukee on the national global stage on the map like that. Is that still possible with some of the changes that would eventually be coming, even if the NBA's resumes the season with the changes coming to the DNC because it is looking more and more likely like it's not going to be a flood of people coming here this summer. When you're looking at, you know, I agree, like that's this summer was supposed to be, you know, I think it, Milwaukee summer, you know, it was going to be, a, you know, in my opinion, a championship parade going right into a convention, <clears throat> going right into uh, the Ryder Cup. And we were going to be the, you know, on the global stage and reintroducing the city and state to the entire country and showing everyone why Milwaukee is a top-tier destination city uh, where everyone wants to come live, work, and play. I still think that's not only possible, but you know, the fact that we won the convention and beat out cities like Houston Miami um, that are already, I think, panned as these um, major you know, top-tier cities um, that are competing with cities like New York, LA, Chicago. I think the fact that we were able to you know, get the convention from those cities uh, already proves that Milwaukee should be in that conversation. I think you you already saw national profiles being talked about in Milwaukee. Um, and I think, you know, once we're able to defeat the disease and defeat coronavirus um, and start being able to talk about other things, uh, I think people will still continue to talk about Milwaukee as um, this great city and the city that, uh, you know, not only is going to 
housed the defending NBA champions, uh, but also was a city that won the Democratic convention for, you know, beating out these other great cities. Um, And Milwaukee is now, I think, and should be looked at on the global stage as one of those, you know, top tier cities. Uh, And I think, um, you know, would that have been easier if we had uh, 50,000 people coming here and a parade and all of that stuff all in one set? Yeah. But right now, everyone's um, having tough times. Uh, You know, cities like New York are probably going to be changed um, forever um, in in what they look like. I think the entire world is going to be changed. Um, And so, you know, I think Milwaukee is is in a place where because of all the stuff that we've been able to do leading into this summer is in a place to, I think, you know, maybe come out of this, uh, you know, hopefully stronger and more together. One of the big opportunities, and I think, like you said, still a chance for the city was to kind of erase some preconceived notions for so many people around the country, around the world about what the city is, what it has to offer. I'd be curious for you coming over from New York and the East Coast when, when your dad and the ownership group first uh, acquired the team and you've really put down roots here over the past few years, what were your preconceived notions about Milwaukee? Had you spent much of any time here beforehand? And, and what has it been like to kind of turn this into a home for you? You know, I actually, I hadn't, the first time I ever came to Milwaukee was when Senator Cole invited us. Um, I had been to Oshkosh once uh, on the Hillary away campaign. Um, you know, my, my thoughts about Milwaukee were, I think, similar, you know, before I had come here and moved here. Probably similar to, you know, I think how I thought about other like Midwestern cities, um, you know, like cities like Columbus or, um, you know, Cincinnati, where my fiance is from, Charlotte, et cetera. You know, I knew that they had their, you know, two sports teams and then a third, if you include the Packers. The one thing I think, though, that Milwaukee needs to start doing, and since, you know, I've moved here and made Milwaukee my home and had, when I've had people come to visit, um, when people leave, well, they say is like, but I didn't know Milwaukee had so much to do. And I think that's the one thing Milwaukee needs to, I think, continue to show. And why, you know, when Milwaukee's called the best kept secret in the Midwest, uh, this is why we need to like out Milwaukee. And what I think this summer was going to be able to do, um, and hopefully still can, which is Milwaukee has an incredible local art scene. Um, and it gets all the traveling Broadway shows. It's got two sports teams. Um, it's got a world-class arena that gets all of the concerts and, uh, and events. It's got an incredible local restaurant scene. Um, like if you're coming to, you know, generally if you're coming to a city, you know, like, like a Milwaukee, it's harder to find, you know, kind of as, you know, like the local spots, you know, maybe there's like one or two famous ones. Milwaukee, everything here is like a great local spot. Um, it's hard to tell someone which one to go to because there are so many. And there are a lot of really great companies here. Um, you've got a river, you've got a lakefront. Like Milwaukee's got so much going on that I think we just need to start telling people about it. And when people come to visit, I think it's when, you know, at least whenever I've had any friends come visit or, you know, we brought people in for games, everyone leaves Milwaukee thinking like, oh my God, like what an incredible city. That's what I wanted this convention to be and what I wanted this summer to be, which was our ability to showcase the city and show everyone what Milwaukee has to offer. Um, Because I think once people see it and experience it, it, you you get a completely different notion of how great the city is. Well, hopefully we'll still get that chance as well. (laughs) I think we will. And look, look, the convention was only, you know, it, it was the reintroduction. You know, we still would have still have to capitalize on it 
And I think that is still what the next five years are going to be our responsibility as a city, which is to continue to show the world Milwaukee. The convention was going to be a, a, a nice starting off point, but it wasn't going to be the end all be all. Right. People weren't going to just start moving here. Milwaukee's economy growing, you know, and, you know, becoming the next Austin wasn't going to just happen because we got the convention. Um, we still have to work and make sure that uh, that all comes to fruition. Um, and that's going to take you know, years for us to be able to do that. And that doesn't stop just because um, of coronavirus. For you, I know the DNC was uh, kind of a nice continuation of a, a lifelong interest in politics as well as sports, uh, which you're obviously more closely tied with with the Bucks here in town. But for folks who don't know, what was your role with the Obama White House working in the White House during his administration? And then any kind of main story that you have from that or, or a, a lesson that you took away from the former president? Uh, all my stories are classified. <laughs> of course. <laughs> I would make a joke about unmasking, but that's a hot topic these days. <laughs> I would say, so my, t- I was, um, I worked for Valerie Jarrett um, as, you know, as her deputy chief of staff. And so Mike Stropmanis, who was her chief of staff, uh, was my direct boss. It, it was, look, it, you know, being in my early 20s, it was the job of, you know, at the time, a lifetime. Um, I, you know, didn't know how I was going to find something that was going to really compare to being able to work in the White House. You know, if you're interested in politics, that was kind of like the center and everything you did was felt big and important. And you also had a lot of people, like everyone was following everything that was going on also. Um, and so there was a big microscope on even what you would have thought was a little thing. Everything like had big importance attached to it. And so, you know, it was, it, it was one of those times where I think you're working there and, you know, everyone is overworked and understaffed. Uh, but you're learning a ton, not just about you know, not just about leadership and being able to see how all of these incredible people are able to work um, and operate under such intense pressure, but also realizing like that kind of that, that the government, you know, really does provide a lot of good. Um, and I think that was one of the, the biggest things is, you know, sometimes I think you, the federal government can feel a little distant. Um, and I think what you kind of, what I saw up close was that the government does a lot that, that I think sometimes we might even sometimes take for granted um, and don't even totally realize that, you know, the, the government is providing, you know, kind of that service for us. Like, you know, I mean, it was just such an honor also, I think, to just be able to walk into those doors every day. Um, it's sometimes it's a little bit hard to explain, uh, you know, kind of that feeling of every day going into the White House. I mean, I grew up, The West Wing was one of my favorite shows. And um, while it's not at all close to uh, what it's like, um, you know, all the problems don't get solved in a 45-minute uh, episode, but it it was really just a, a real honor and great experience to not only work in the White House, but work, to work for Valerie and President Obama. Um, it, it, it was just something that uh, I'll, I'll never forget. And, you know, I, I don't know if there was anything that was going to be able to top it other than maybe coming to uh, work for the Bucks and try to uh, win a championship. That's a very good political answer there as well. <laughs> Since you mentioned uh, TV, I was going to get into some just kind of more quick hitters or, or random yeah. thoughts as well. And uh, this is going to be one of them. Your dad was on Billions, right? So uh, you said West Wing doesn't necessarily uh, look like the real world in Washington. Does Billions well recreate the uh, hedge fund and New York Wall Street life? Not not, not the one that I've seen. <laughs> um, you know, like I, I'll watch it and sometimes I'll be like, man, like, 
dad, like, is this is what is this what's going on in the office all the time? And he's like, no, it's way more boring than, <laughs> uh, than, than that, you know, and, and hopefully the, uh, you know, the U.S. attorney is, and I don't think the U.S. attorney is up everyone uh, or has like those type of vendettas um, <laughs> against specific people. But yeah, no, uh, at, at least not the hedge fund industry that I've seen. I haven't seen billions uh, uh, in the same way. We'll keep my uh, Sunday night viewing habits. I still going love here. Billions, though. I mean, <laughs> it's true. I, I love it's a good it. one. <laughs> it's like one of my favorite shows, um, and my dad loves it. But well, I that think, speaks well, yeah. Yeah, I think he looks at it as like, oh man, that would be a fun world. <laughs> I have found the opposite example. My uncle's a doctor, and he could never watch House because he was like, this is too far. I just can't deal with how ridiculous. Well, it's this always is. lupus. Yeah, it's always lupus. It always comes back to that. Yeah. Uh, I know you like this uh, on TV as well. It just wrapped up last night as we're taping this uh, on Monday. But The Last Dance, what was it like to kind of relive that as a as a kind of kid who's grown up in the 90s as well? I think we're around the same age. So seeing those games, seeing those moments, but from a kid's eyes and then kind of learning a little bit more about the backstory. Yeah, I mean, the first, the first 3P, I was pretty young and I don't really remember a ton from it. Um, you know, I remember, I do remember the Charles Smith missing, you know, and I was a diehard Knicks fan, um, you know, growing up. Charles Smith missing those uh, layups were, were tough uh, to get over. I remember being at the double nickel game. Um, so that was kind of cool. Like, you know, seeing some of these games that I remembered being at, uh, and I think there was actually a, a, I was able to pause it at one point, like Jordan's, fi- you know, pause it uh, and see me where my season t- where our season tickets were um, and able to find where I was. Uh, so that was kind of, that was been fun. The biggest thing though, for the last dance for me in terms of the basketball was, I remember always just thinking it was, it was a fait accompli that the bulls were going to win the championship. Um, there was no drama with the team. Like they were just the best team ever and they were going to win the championship no matter what to see that, trials and tribulations that they actually went through to see the drama that they went through. Um, I mean, I totally forgot that Dennis Rodman went and did a, you know, a WCW event uh, in the middle of the NBA finals. Like just if totally only Twitter had been around. Yeah. yeah right? I totally forgot about all that. Um, and so, you know, being able to see that uh, and kind of see like, okay, like even a team like that, goes through a lot. Um, and also look, seeing some of the similarities between how, you know, Jordan's first few years, not being able to break through and then finally breaking through, um, I think has also made, uh, last year's loss. I think, uh, a, a little, you know, maybe be able to deal with it a little bit better. Um, just because, you know, like, okay, all the greats have gone through that. Um, and, not even Jordan, his first time getting to the conference finals broke through. Even he had a game seven loss um, to the Pistons uh, the year before they went all the way to the championship. So um, hopefully seeing some of those similarities and hopefully we're able to uh, kind of do the same thing that Jordan was able to do. Fingers crossed, right? Well, speaking exactly. of the guy that would be leading that charge for the Bucks, do you have a, a Giannis story that you think best encapsulates who this, this truly one-of-a-kind person and talent is? <laughs> You know, Giannis, in a, in a similar way, like I remember a few years ago, uh, a reporter was asking me, like, who I thought Giannis reminded me the most of. And they were kind of talking about, you know, like, was it, is it a, you know, a KG, um, uh, a Grant Hill, because of how he plays, Magic Johnson, because of how he plays LeBron. And I always said, like, no, it's Kobe or Jordan. 
like because his his mindset is the same. He wants to go out there every time and and kill and win. And there's he always wants to win. Um, and whether it's you know him and I on the team playing like you know you know betting like oh well you know does this happen or that like no matter what he wants to win. And you know if I owe him five dollars, he will remember that I owe him five dollars. Um, a week later, he'll see me and be like, hey. You owe me five bucks. Um, it's not that. It's just like he's, he's got that same competitive drive that is like when you, you know, that he, want, he wants to win um, no matter what he does. And I think, you know, there, there are only a few people who I think are that competitive and that driven. Um, and I put Giannis in that same category as Michael and Kobe. He's wired a different way. You know, the, the work ethic, the drive, uh, you just kind of, you only see that in a few people and uh, Giannis is one of them. Totally switching gears from the MVP, but getting back to, to some of the quarantine life, best takeout or curbside pickup you've gotten during this or a couple of recommendations for folks? Ooh, uh, Bavette Burger Wednesday. Um, on the third ward, I highly recommend Bavette Burger Wednesday. Um, where else have we done? We've done uh, Elsa's. Love Elsa's. Uh, probably, to me, one of the best burgers in Milwaukee. You know, we've done a lot of cooking, a lot of cooking. Uh, we ordered from the Nick a few times. Uh, that was always one of my uh, favorite restaurants to go into. You know, we, we've tried to stay a little bit local, like in the Third Ward also. So, like, Smoke Shack just opened for curbside pickup. Uh, so we've been doing that. Uh, but it's been a lot of it, – it's honestly, it's been a lot of cooking. Um, which I am not used to, uh, but we started to open up some of the wedding gifts that we got, and there was a um, an air fryer that uh, and a sous vide. I think that's what it's called. Ooh, yeah, um, that Lauren is now become an expert in. So she, you know, she makes the food. I do the dishes. It's a good combo. Yeah, uh, yeah. You yeah. guys have the roles figured out even before exactly. the vows are said. Right? Exactly. We're, we're we're learning from all of our friends. Well, uh, on the topic of food, this isn't so much a question, but a statement from your buddy Raj over at Pfizer Forum. Yeah. He just wants it known that New York pizza is so far and beyond Connecticut pizza, it's not even a competition. I, I wouldn't disagree. I mean, oh, okay. He thought you were going to defend New Haven pizza for some reason. No, no chance. New York pizza, there is not – my favorite food in the world is a good slice of New York pizza. Well, I'm glad we're all on the same page here yeah. on that one. Yeah. yeah, it's to me like I think one of the best birthday presents I ever got was someone shipped me a, a frozen Joe's pizza from New York to heat up, and I was like, "Oh, you get me." <laughs> this is this is the best gift I can yeah, get. This is the best gift you can get. <laughs> All right, two more for you. Since I started with uh, uh, bringing up your Broadway show tunes, obviously sports, politics, all kinds of things that, that you find yourself interested in. What's something maybe off the beaten path that people don't know about you that, that you really get into or really enjoy? Oh, I love Broadway. Um, that's probably the thing, you know, when someone asks me like, hey, what was the, you know, growing up in New York, what's the thing you miss most? You know, other than pizza, it would be Broadway. Um, and one of the things that I love about Milwaukee uh, is that the shows come through here. Otherwise, off the beaten path. I mean, not something that I'm into, but I've never had a cup of coffee. Really? Uh, yeah. I like, just have never, never had coffee. I've all, I, and I, I really like coffee mugs. So like we have a ton of coffee mugs in the house. I like to collect them. 
Um, but we, I mean, Lauren drinks coffee, but before even she moved in, like I would have a, I collected coffee mugs, but never drank coffee. Hmm. I never did until I started waking up at two thirty every morning to anchor the morning. That might that shifted yeah. things that a little might bit. If I had to do that, that might. Yeah. That I'm not might sure I actually like coffee. It's just become a necessity. But <laughs> all right, final question for you. You get to set the stage for what is uh, again, fingers crossed, championship parade. There's a lot of space up and down this beautiful lakefront to spread out six feet. What is uh, the perfect way to celebrate what will hopefully be a, a Bucks title once we're all through this? Perfect way to celebrate. Uh, I'm not. I'm not going to jinx it yet. Um, so we'll, we'll have to leave that for you know when it actually happens. But I already know, like it, it, you know, the if and when we're able to do that, the city is going to be so lit, and it's going to be. Uh, I'm looking forward to celebrate not just one day, but many days uh, with the entire city. Sounds pretty good to me, Alex. Thank you very much. Thank you. And thank you to a pair of people you don't hear from behind the scenes, Sarah Smith and Dave Machuda, who make Definitely Milwaukee possible, as well as Open Record, the podcast from the Fox 6 Investigators. If you like what you're hearing, please leave us a rating and a review, and you can, of course, download podcasts from Definitely Milwaukee or the Investigators on any of your regular podcast platforms, as well as fox6now.com. Fox 6 Now.